Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, the title of a message is Condemnation. Okay, we're going to talk about condemnation, and it's my hope that we will conclude our study on the book of Mark. It's only been like four months, and we started this in January, but we'll talk about this moment. In Romans, the first chapter, the Bible says that, that you know, uh, you're, you're basically without excuse if you imagine that you believe there's not a God. If you are imagining, or if you are saying, or if you are, you know, uh, uh, you know, putting forth an image or a thought to yourself or to anyone else, God says you're suppressing the truth. You're having to push it down because even the very things of nature cry out for a creator, that there is a creator. Well, we'll talk about that again in just a moment. We're going to be going to Mark chapter 16 tonight, to the last chapter, and indeed to the last uh, uh, few verses uh, we'll begin in verse 14. You know, this past Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, it, it was, you know, a, a powerful service. I really enjoyed it. Thank all of you who, who were joining us online and all those that we had here. And it was a powerful, powerful service. Uh, we learned so many things about the resurrection of Christ. We learned that, that, you know, uh, that it's, it's important that what we give to God, what we do for Jesus is never wasted. Even though, you know, the ladies went and bought spices that they didn't use to embalm the body of Jesus. Nonetheless, it wasn't wasted. We also found out that, uh, that uh, you know, there were temple services going on that Sabbath. The day after Jesus had been crucified, you know, tortured, crucified. Yet the next morning, you know, here the high priest shows up, you know, that evening perhaps, you know, at, at, at a sundown service and that next day in Sabbath. And all the priests show up and most likely, you know, there were the scribes, the Pharisees, all those who had, who had been crying, you know, crucify him. All those people that had been paid to lie about Jesus, you know, most likely they all showed up at church. And probably the high priest, his message was not on repentance. There they were having church just right down the street from where all of the horrible things happened that they perpetrated against our Lord. How can people go to church and look so, so clean and so pure and on the inside be filled with lies and hypocrisy and anger and hatred and wrath and sedition and heresies and murderings and revelings? And how in the world can someone do something so horrible the night before and go to church the next morning and just, I mean, just, oh, just, oh, you know. Uh, uh, well, that's a picture of what was going on as Jesus lay in the grave. We realized as well, you know, that, that you know, it's, it's not over till God says it's over, by the way. Because Jesus, you know, he didn't stay in that grave. He came up out of that grave. Amen. He was raised to life because of the plan that he and God had. And so here we are in Mark chapter 16. And uh, this is, uh, you know, this is right after the resurrection. Okay, two things happened. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you put all of this collection together, all of the, the, the Gospels to give us a complete picture of what was going on, 
uh, Jesus, you know, appeared first to Mary Magdalene. You remember we talked about that Sunday. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, and even though uh, she went and told the disciples, just like Jesus told her to, she was on a mission from Jesus with the words of Jesus, went to the people Jesus sent her to, you know, and people that he had been working with for three and a half years, a message from Jesus, a good news message sent by Jesus, uh, you know, taken to the people, as I said, that Jesus sent her to, and yet they would not believe. Jesus later showed up to two men on the road to Emmaus, and he told them and revealed himself to them. They knew him in the breaking of the bread. They went back as well, but even though they gave their testimonies and they were recognized, bona fide, included uh, as a part of the followers of Jesus, the disciples, not the 12, but the broader range of some 70 disciples that have been identified, you know, even though they were credible, yet the disciples, those, those 11, would not believe. Well, we're picking up in verse 14. So later, you know, it, 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 it is apparent that it was Sunday evening by this time. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. Now, I don't know for sure, but this is perhaps the same table that they sat at for the Last Supper. But what they were doing here, the indication is they were sitting down to eat. You know, even though they were sad, hey, they were still eating, okay? <laughs> okay it was, uh, I mean, that's, you know, okay, I'm sad and, 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 and you know, we, we've, we've, we've been through a lot, but let's get something to eat, okay? So here they sat at the table, and the Bible says here in verse 14 that Jesus rebuked them. Wow. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Interesting, huh? Now, these were his closest followers, by the way. We're talking about Peter, James, John, Matthew, Nathaniel, Bartholomew, you know, uh, James the less. We're talking about all of these very close followers, the people that had walked with him three and a half years, the people that, that, that he calmed the storm for when he was walking on the water and, and, and they asked him to get in the boat, the people that helped him feed the 5,000 to feed the 7,000. I mean, the people that were there whenever Jairus' daughter was healed and, and the people that were there whenever the little woman with the issue of blood was healed and the people that were there, I mean, on and on and on and on and on. These are the best he has, the cream of the crop. And he rebuked them for their hardness of heart. Verse 15. Then the Bible says, And Jesus said to these disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Well, that's where I drew my message from today. There and a passage we'll read a little bit later. He who believes. Now, my goodness, these men had just not believed. Okay? They had just fallen into the category of hearing the good news but did not believe. And Jesus got right in the middle of them. He rebuked them 
for their hardness of heart and their refusal to believe the message that he had sent others with to them, but yet he tells them to take that same message to others. Isn't that interesting? Now, you're not, you, know, you didn't believe it, but I want you to get up and I want you to get out of here and go on and I want you to tell other people the same thing that those people I sent to you told you, that I am alive, the good news, there's good news, there's the gospel. I am alive, I am victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. I have been victorious. I mean, uh, you know, there are three things here that, that, that I gained from this passage I want to share with you. Why always three things? Because maybe you'll remember one of them. I don't want to give you, there, there are probably 17 we could figure out here, okay? But let me, let, let me make sure, uh, you know, more than just giving you one thing because not all of you, you know, like the same food. Not all of you in the same place. But out of these three things, certainly God is going to speak to you about one of them. Number one, what do we learn in this, this, in, in this passage? Number one, Jesus is busy, Okay? You may not realize that, and some people don't. Some people imagine that God has an easy job, but he does not have an easy job. He's been trying to get you to go to your neighbor and witness for how many years? Tell me how easy his job is. You know how I know his job's not easy? Because he's working with you. He's only got you. You're it. His job is not easy. He, he cannot do anything he wants to. Someone said to me the other day, God can do whatever he wants. I said, yeah, 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 go with that one. Think that one. It ain't happening. Why can't he do anything he wants? Because he's depending on you. God can only do what you're willing to do. That's what he's chosen to do. He wants to work through you. That's his choice. He's always worked through someone. He worked through Jesus. He wanted to save you, but it was up to Jesus whether he did or not. Can you see how God operates? Jesus wanted the world to know about him, but it was up to the disciples whether they would or not. I mean, this is the way God works. God wants people on your job to know about him and to know the good news, but that's pretty much up to you. God wants your children to be raised in a godly and, 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 and holy home, but that's pretty much up to you. God wants your spouse to hear kind and loving words and gentle, you know, he, he wants your children to be gently corrected, but that's pretty much up to you. God wants you to bring all your tithes into the storehouse, but that's pretty much up to you. Oh, I just zinged that one. None of these are in my notes, by the way. I'm just, I'm just freelancing it here. Yeah. God wants the lost to be prayed for, but that's pretty much up to you. Jesus wanted, you know, Peter, James, and John to pray with him that night in the garden, but it was pretty much up to them. Don't think that God has an easy job. He does not. He wanted the children of Israel to go into the land of Canaan, but it was pretty much up to them. We can go on. I, I, I think I can keep figuring out things. He wanted Jonah to go, but it was pretty much up to Jonah. He made it, however, a little tough on Jonah, and Jonah decided to go. Jonah would have been on his, you know, 9,000th trip around the world today if he hadn't went, I have a feeling. 
pretty much up. Jesus also, not only is his job a little difficult, but Jesus is busy. How do we know this? Well, we know this because when Jesus was resurrected, I mean, he didn't immediately appear unto the 12. Minus one. He appeared to Mary. Why? Because Mary was there. Hello? Why? You know, I asked myself the question many times. Why did he appear first to Mary Magdalene? Because she was in the garden. She was where he was. When you get involved in what Jesus is doing, you'll see him a whole lot more. He's busy. He said, he said in fact, Mary, don't touch me. I'm busy. Okay? Don't touch me. I got to go to my father. Hold on a second. I got to go to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. I, I, I really love that. My father, your father, my God, your God. I texted that to some pastors on Sunday morning. You know, my God and your God. Isn't that great? What, what, he, he just gave the whole gospel message right there. I'm going to my father and your father. Woo! You just said God is my father. You just said that I am a child of God. You just said that, that he is my God. Wow. You included me in the same place you're in. That's the exchange that happened on the cross of Calvary. When he carried my sins to the grave and was raised victorious, he included me in him, and I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. My God and your God. My Father, your Father. What a deal. But Jesus is busy. Jesus didn't appear to the 11 disciples first. He didn't even appear to them second. He's busy. <laughs> He's busy. He always has something to do. All right? Now I know he finished the work of paying for our sins, but the Bible says he lives forever to make intercession. He sees the right hand of the Father making intercession. Okay? Uh, you, you know, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you might have to wait like those 11 disciples did. They had to wait all day. Jesus got up before sunrise, and they had to wait till after sunset before Jesus come to see them. And he's the best they got. Why? Because he figured maybe they could, they could handle waiting a little bit. They knew him real close. And sometimes those people that are, just, that are really close, when you're really busy, you kind of depend on them to kind of have a little more patience with you. Get yourself over in the real world now. He was doing things. He wasn't just doing nothing. I don't know what all he did. Bible says he appeared to more than 500 people over that next 40 days, uh, uh, showed himself alive to more than 500 people. He's busy. He knows exactly when is the best time, and he also knows when it's your turn. Boy, some of y'all could just take that home with you the rest of your life and just say, yeah, uh, uh, boy, that'll make me just so much more uh, compassionate and so much more patient, so much more understanding to realize that sometimes it's not my turn. Sometimes, you know, there's other things going on that God determines is a little more important for whatever reason, it's his plan, not mine, and I might have to wait for something that somebody else got first. Mary Magdalene, those two on the road to Emmaus, and I don't know how many more. You see, Jesus sent a woman to inform these men uh, while they were waiting. There are so many people just did not believe. They did not believe the prophets. 
they, they, they didn't even believe John the Baptist. And they all were saying the same thing. From Noah to, to you know, to everybody. God gives a message. And so many times people don't believe. A lot of people didn't believe the prophets and even John the Baptist. They all said, you know, they all said, hey, Jesus will be here in a little while. That, that was their message. He'll be here in a little while. John the Baptist, Jesus will be here. The Messiah will be here in a little while. There's one coming after me. Okay? Mary Magdalene said, hey, look, boys, get up and go to Galilee. You'll see him there. They didn't. Okay. Jesus said, go tell them. Go to Galilee. She went and told them. They said, nah. Everybody pretty much all said the same thing. Jesus will be here in a little while. Uh, and, and, and uh, um, you know, this is what he wants you to do until he gets here. Noah said, just get right with God. Live right. You know, the prophets. Messiah's coming, and this is what he wants you to do. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Okay? I mean, all, we could read all of the prophets' messages, and every one of them from Amos to Zechariah was encouraging us to just live right and be happy and, and serve the Lord with gladness and, you know, and, and look forward to his coming because they said Jesus will be here in a little while, and this is what he wants you to do till he gets here. He wants you to go to the Galilee, and that, that's where he'll see you. He'll, he'll be there when you get there. John the Baptist, Jesus is coming, Messiah is coming, he'll be here in a little while, and this is what he, he wants you to repent and live right until he gets here. You see, this is pretty much what I do every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. I say, hey, listen, Jesus is going to be here in a little while. Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. He's coming for you soon. Okay? And this is what he wants you to do till he gets here. He wants you to, you know, be busy about doing the kingdom things. He wants you to, you know, uh, love one another and forgive one another. And he wants you to, you know, uh, feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty. And he wants you to help the poor. And he wants you to, you know, uh, just, just be nice and kind and witness to your neighbor. And, 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 you know, and this is what Jesus to be here in a little bit. And this is what he wants you to do till he gets here. He's busy right now. Come on. It's the same message we preach. It's, 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 you know, but a lot of people, good people, good people, people that love Jesus, people like Peter and James and John, people that love Jesus, just sit there. They don't get up and go to Galilee. They don't get up, you know, go witness. They don't, they don't get up and go help people. Now, I know I'm not talking about any of you. But you can see. What the disciples did after the resurrection of Jesus and how many times that Jesus sent someone to them and then he shows up and says, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Why didn't you believe that I was going to be here I, when it's your turn and your time and in your place? Now you maybe have to get out of line, come over here. I was headed to Galilee. I had to come back all the way here. Come on now, get with the program. Because a lot of people uh, here, good people, Peter, James, and John, they love Jesus, but they just sit there.
what we do while we wait may have something to do with how long we wait. Jesus said, well, while you're waiting for me, while you're waiting for me to come back, I want you to know that I have a great commission. That's the second thing that I learned from this passage, is that Jesus gave them a great commission. You know, uh, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to tell everybody you see the good news that I'm alive. And that they can receive me, and my God can be their God, and my Father can be their Father. This is what I want you to do till I get back. I'm coming back soon, but until I get back, here is a great commission. I'm going to anoint you and appoint you like I did Mary. I'm going to anoint you and appoint you, and I want you to go into all the world. And as you go, I want you to make sure that you proclaim the good news. That's our part. Uh, you know, we are not responsible to save anybody. We can't save anybody. We can't change anyone. You know, uh, we're not responsible even to criticize anybody. We're not responsible to judge anybody. We're not responsible to condemn anyone. God has a perfect plan, and God's plan demands personal participation and a personal decision. But that's on the part of the other person. I can't save you. I'm not called to criticize you, judge you, aggravate you, irritate you. I'm called to witness to you. That's all I'm called to do is to proclaim the good news to you. I'm not called to judge you or condemn you or criticize you. That's not my calling. My calling is to tell you the good news. Proclaim the good news. And it's your choice whether you believe it or not. And that's what he said. Those who believe will be saved. And those who do not believe will feel condemned. Well, that's horrible. But that's what happens. You know, the disciples didn't feel any better because they didn't believe. Mary or the two on the road to Maze, they felt worse. They were sinking into a hole. They were going farther and farther down in, 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 into depression, oppression, worry. And, and Jesus showed up and rebuked them for their hardness of heart. You know, uh, you know listen, uh, God demands we participate in our miracles, especially the salvation of our souls. Uh, people are born and live their whole life with a spot in their life that only Jesus can feel. Every person, every person, without respect to what nation, what creed, what color, what race, what origin, what ethnos, there is a spot, there is, a, there is an empty spot in a person's soul that only Jesus can feel only Jesus. And the Holy Spirit works in the hearts and minds of men and women, boys and girls, drawing people to Christ, drawing people to God. He's, he's, he's telling them, whether, whether it's in, 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 you know, in India, whether, you, know, uh, uh, you know, Bangladesh, whether it's, you know, in uh, Burkina Faso, uh, whether it's in Thailand, Cambodia, you know, uh, people have an empty spot in their heart and they are looking for something to feel that. And the Holy Spirit is the one that is responsible to be drawn 
drawing on the hearts to show someone there is a creator that loves you. They may not know the name J-E-S-U-S, but there is a call that goes out to them. The Holy Spirit, Acts 17.30, God has commended all men everywhere to simply turn their lives over to the Creator. God is the one that can, can watch out to them. But, but they're, 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 they're always lost people around us. The Holy Spirit works to soften the hearts of these men and women, boys and girls, and to ripen the fruit of their life for harvest. People in all places, all over the world, are being born again. You know, sometimes people need a seed sown in their life. What the Holy Spirit works for is just to, just, just, just to open up, just, just, just to crack in their heart or their mind where a seed can fall. He needs someone to sow that seed. Sometimes they need watering, cultivating. It needs a little weeding. And sometimes the fruit is so ripe. In fact, Jesus said that, that, that there's more ripe fruit than there are people to pick it. What is needed is laborers, not more ripe fruit. You are surrounded by people who the Holy Spirit, without your knowledge, without your understanding, without your observation, without even your belief, all around you every day are people that are ripened unto harvest. Jesus looked out and he saw all the people and he said, the fields are ripe unto harvest, just the laborers that are few. You want to help me? Pray to God that, that somehow more laborers would respond and get up and go out and proclaim the good news because people are ripened unto harvest. That's today. He said, don't say that, that, no, you know, maybe in 2022, maybe when things get really bad, maybe three months, maybe six months to the harvest. No, he said, the harvest is now. It's always before us. It's plentiful, he said. It's only sad that some people will purposefully close their hearts and minds they do it on purpose, the Bible says. Romans 1.18, the Bible talks about suppressing the truth. People who say there is no God, they suppress the truth. It's a suppression. You have to actively push the Holy Spirit back down and out because he's dealing with people night and day, night and day, and they have to actively push it away. Listen, they know what they're going through. They know the turmoil they're going through, and sometimes they can get really angry and upset whenever you witness to them or whenever you're nice or kind to them, but still they're suppressing the truth. Romans 1.20 says, however, they are without excuse if they deny God. There is no excuse. Romans 10, 14 says, How shall anyone call upon the name of the Lord unless, how shall they believe, unless they have heard? And how can they hear unless somebody is willing to tell them? What kind of message am I preaching tonight? I'm preaching a message about go and tell. I'm preaching a message about what we do after the resurrection. I'm talking about the message that Jesus Christ tried to give through Mary Magdalene, the road to Emmaus, and to those uh, you know, disciples, and, 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 and to us. This great commission of, of, of not just sitting here, not just you know, going to the next meal, not just, you know, uh, just sinking down in hardness of heart, and belief, but actually doing something. Because it's a realization when we read this passage at the end of Mark 16 that those who believe will be saved and those who don't will be condemned. Wow. You know, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Anybody who believes in Him will have eternal life. Okay? John 3.17 says that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. Okay? God said that he didn't send his son to condemn the world. So why are people going around condemned? You know, uh, it's not because someone else condemns them. It's not because Jesus condemns them. It's because they condemn themselves. How do they condemn themselves? By not believing and by not accepting and by not getting up and going. You've got to admit that there's this fine line between feeling guilty and, 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 and condemned and, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, when you don't know, when, when rather you know that you didn't do what God wanted you to do. When you're not living like God wants you to or didn't do what, that you, you can feel that pressure coming on you, okay? Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It is important that our walk shows who we are. In John, the third chapter, verse 18, listen to what this says, okay? Uh, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Jesus did not come to the world. God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And he that believes on Jesus is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know, Jesus instructed his followers and anointed them to go and tell people but you can't save anyone but you can tell them take the pressure off of you to get people saved but put the pressure on you to tell them because jesus gave his life he is alive he came from heaven born of a virgin lived a sinless life died an atoning death is coming again that's the good news and he wants us to go and tell people. Uh, let's finish out Mark 16 here as I close. Verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. Aren't you glad they did that? This is the conclusion of Mark. They actually did what Jesus asked them to do. They went out and preached everywhere. And guess what? The Lord worked with them confirming the word what word he told him to go and proclaim the gospel and people believed it they'd be saved he confirmed that word that people were getting saved because they were proclaiming the gospel people were being saved and people the lord was working with them confirmed with signs with you know with with with, with uh, uh, the word through the accompanying signs amen well thus concludes our study of the book of mark but so important to remember that the whole gospel of Mark is about doing something, not just learning something, not just saying something, but doing something. Let me encourage us all to do what the Great Commission encourages us. You know, it's not up to me to save them, but God has pretty much limited Himself to what we are willing to do he can't do anything that he wants to if he could he would do a whole lot more through you why don't you let him have a little more thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from pastor ron hammonds visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date 
as well receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.